you know, in those years prior to us doing the 60 days of sex, probably the only times during the year that I would initiate sex would be like on Tony's birthday, probably just Tony's birthday, right? (laughs) I I didn't initiate sex. I mean, it just wasn't, you know, I was not even like half birthday, nothing. No, I mean, I think he got his birthday. It's not on Elisa's mind. Right. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and we're about to jump into today's show, but I wanted to share a couple of things with you. First of all, an apology, because I recorded this super fun interview with Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo of One Extraordinary Marriage, and looked down about 15 minutes into the episode, into the recording, and my mic was unplugged. So the very beginning, the first quarter of the interview, the sound is just not fabulous, but it's not, you can definitely hear me. It just sounds a little like amateur. So I apologize for that. The cord got plugged in (laughs) somewhere during that interview. So just bear with me. Okay, a couple quick housekeeping tips for you. The first thing I want you to know is I mentioned in a previous show that I was going to create a pantry list for you. Items that stock my pantry and stock my fridge on a regular basis. Now, the reason I was doing that was because I believe that it is about mm, 1,012% easier to make cleaner choices in your kitchen and in your daily habits when you actually have the supplies on hand. I also believe that it's easier not to test your willpower every time you step into the pantry with food choices that are not going to help you meet your goals. Now, whatever those may be, I thought it would be of use to share some of the major switches that I made when I sort of switched to much more of a whole foods, healthy living lifestyle. Now, I started to do that. I actually put an entire list together and it was good, but it was so boring. And I decided to do something different with it. I actually went into Amazon and I created a store, which is something that Amazon lets you do. And I created a store and I stocked that store with the things that fill my pantry, fill my office, and fill my home. So I listed on there not just food, not just supplements, but some things that I use to exercise, some things that I use in my kitchen, some things that I use in my home office or in my office office. And I actually, in the store, under each item, I explain why I like it. I also included books that I love, and not too, too many, so that you just get overwhelmed. I did this because I thought it would make your life a lot easier. It's a little bit more fun, a little bit more interactive. You can see the things I'm talking about right there. And it allows me to put stuff up and take stuff down as I evolve or learn more. So... Oh, and it allows me to earn about six cents for every $10 and people buy something. (laughs) So it's a fun, it's a minor, but a fun way to support the show at zero cost to you. It's not like you're getting some markup and that goes to me. It's just when you buy something through my Amazon link, it actually sends a few pennies my way, which is nice because, you know, there are 200,000 of you. So when you do that, it can add up over time and help support the hard cost 
costs of running a show like this that currently I'm just paying for out of pocket because you know I'm not selling anything. Just the truth. And that's for free, baby. So anyway, just a fun way to support the show. The way that you find it is you go to onairwithella.com and there's a tab at the top called shop. That's it onairwithella.com forward slash shop or just click on the word shop and it will open up the Amazon store that I created for you or give you the link to Amazon where you can just buy whatever you need. So if you just want to bookmark that and help support the show, that's awesome. Again, it doesn't amount to much, but over time it might actually add up to something and help support uh, help support the show. So again, thank you so much. I don't want to go on and on about that, but I wanted to follow up because I promised you that resource and I wanted you to know that I took it in a slightly different direction. Okay, I am having a contest. I'm having a contest between Canada the UK and Australia. Those three countries represent a huge portion of the On Air with Ella audience. I am having a contest for the best review from Canada, Australia, or the United Kingdom because you guys are big fans of the show and I want to see some reviews in international iTunes because I have a huge ego. No, I'm just kidding. So that the show gets shared in your countries as well. So I'm having a contest. Best review. I'll read them in a few weeks and I'll share the winner on the air. And of course, I'll come up with something fabulous to do for you. Okay, for real, I will. All right. I don't want to go on and on because I have this terrific interview to share with you from the D. Lorenzo's whose show is called One Extraordinary Marriage in iTunes. And their website has a ton of resources on it. So when you click on the show notes for this episode, I'll link to the resources that you're about to hear about. But one thing I just want to mention, just in case you're like, well, I'm not married. So thanks a lot. This show is about married couples and healthy married sex because their show is One Extraordinary Marriage. Now, if you would like to believe that that means that there's nothing in this show for you just because your lifestyle is different than that then you are mistaken so give it a listen tell me if you get anything out of it and maybe you can't accept the challenge that they issued to us just yet because your life is not in that place but when you do you let me know anyway have a lot of fun with them I'm so glad you're here thank you for your time and keep your emails coming to contact at onairwithella.com I love hearing from you Here we go. Hey, everyone. You're on air with Ella, and buckle up, because today is going to be a good time. Hey, Tony and Alyssa, how are you? Doing great. Thank you. Doing well, Ella. Good. I'm so glad to have you both. Now, I skipped the bio on purpose, because I want you guys to explain who you are and what you do. We rock marriages around the world. And we do that through talking about the things that people don't talk about. We talk about sex. We talk about love. We talk about commitment. We talk about ways to transform your marriage from what it is to what you want it to be. Yeah, and it should I should mention that you have a number one podcast globally in marriage and on relationships. So kudos to you both for that because I can personally attest to how much work that is. So well done, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I told you that the reason I actually sought you guys out is because I was listening to your show. I always like to sample a bunch of different podcasts. And to be quite frank, I can't get through many of them. You guys hooked me, hook, line, and sinker. And one of the reasons that you did, besides the fact that you guys are married and you've been married for how many years now? Uh, as of this recording, it'll be 19 years. Oh, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> That's another, yeah. You guys get a trophy for the podcast and two trophies for 19 years. Yeah. Thank you. Well done. And you have kids? We do. Yeah. At this time, we got a 12 and a nine-year-old. 
And so, yeah, so life isn't just, hey, Tony and Elisa just, you know, going through life with no kids or nothing going on. We, We own businesses. We run businesses. We have our own activities. We have our kids' activities. One plays Pop Warner football. Another is uh, a Circus Soleil aerialist. For um, real? Well, she, I mean, she doesn't perform with Cirque du Soleil, but that is, that is her training and all of the aerialists and ap- different apparatus. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know you could do that. You yeah. can. And so we, <laughs> we, we live pretty busy lives. And, you know, 19 years married. And I would say, and I think Elisa would agree with this, that, I mean, we are on track for the best years to come. I mean, yeah. we've been living some of the best years and not always good, but we live <laughs> That would be day an understatement. <laughs> not always good. We're, we are human. Well, I love that you guys keep it real. And I was going to ask you, Tony and Elisa, that you you started this podcast because everything was perfect in your life and you knew you're doing everything right. And you said, we must share our gift with the world, right? Absolutely not. (laughs) No? No. No. It was actually because we came out of a place where, you know, things were really screwed up for us. We were at a crossroads. The kids were young. They were two and five at the time. and, And we were at this place where we're like, we're roommates, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions of being a married couple because, you know, our kids have our last name and we all happen to share a house. But as far as the relationship, there wasn't much more to it than that. And we were, ironically enough, leading a small group for married couples at our church, which, you know, I look back, I'm like, we had no purpose leading that small group because we weren't doing so good on the marriage department. And Tony calls me one day and says, I think we should do our next study on sex. And I'm thinking, we aren't having sex. What are we going to talk about? And, and, you know, like, how do the, how, like, that doesn't even make sense. And it was in making the decision that we were going to do that small group study on sex. And then Tony's subsequent discussion with me, because Tony's the big idea guy in our marriage. And he threw out the idea, well, if the study is going to be eight weeks, that's about 60 days. So what if we had 60 days of sex? And I was like, you're like no. with each other? <laughs> yeah. I'm like in, in the next, like what kind of time frame are we talking about here? And really my immediate reaction was a big fat no. And, you know, it was in that process of, you know, going from making it a no to a yes when I had this thought of if I won't even say no to my husband for this, then my marriage is probably over. I won't even say yes. If I won't say yes. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I did say no. Um <laughs> And so it was during that experience that we rediscovered each other. We rediscovered some of the basic, uh, the basic behaviors that couples aren't doing in their marriages. And our marriage was transformed and people started asking us about what we did. And that's how, that's how our first book got launched. That's how the podcast got launched. That's how, you know, six years later, we're at almost 300 episodes and thousands upon thousands of people's lives changed around the world. Yeah, I think you guys, I think what you hit on so many big topics there, and I just want to pull a couple of them out. So one of them is that so many people who are in long term relationships, and we have our household responsibilities, and we have our professional responsibilities, and don't even get us started on taking care of ourselves, right? And then at the end of the day, what's the first thing to go? It's that fun, flirty side and the intimacy and, and you become roommates. And it's so easy. And so many people look back, and they don't even know how it happened. Right. Absolutely. You know, your listeners are just like our listeners and, you know, they want they want the extraordinary in their life. But a lot of life has happened to kind of take that dream away from them. Mm -hmm. 
So, Elisa, you said something about Tony's question. You said, if I can't even say yes to this, then my marriage is probably over. Mm-hmm. Explain that a little bit. Absolutely. Because Tony had already, you know, when I said no that night when Tony first suggested the idea of the 60 days of sex, Tony had been rejected so many times in our marriage by me saying no, like, no, I don't have sex. No, I don't want to do. I mean, it was just like one more no. And it wasn't that he was going to walk out the door because he'd heard another no. It was my realization that, you know, what he was asking for was something that I should want to give to him. You know, maybe not like the full 60 days because a lot of your listeners are like, seriously, that's kind of going over the top. That's like Christmas and birthday and anniversary for like the next 40 years. But it was the idea that he was asking me to give of myself. And if I wasn't willing to at least make the effort, make the attempt, then I wasn't, I wasn't 100% into my marriage. And, you know, there's that thing that gets passed around like on Facebook and social media, you know, marriage is, you know, 50-50 or whatever. It's really not. Marriage is 100%, 100%. And when I stood there with that basketball of laundry in my garage in front of the washing machine, having this conversation with myself and God, like, what are you going to do? I realized that I wasn't putting 100% into my marriage. And if I wasn't going to do that, then I couldn't expect my marriage to survive. Tony, can we talk about this from your point of view as well? Because it's so interesting to hear Elisa say, you know, I had rejected Tony so many times in my marriage. I'm not sure that women realize the extent to which they do that. Can you expand on that at all from your own experience? Yeah, sure. I mean, it it comes in very subtle form. So folks in couples don't really look at it that way unless it's a it's a real emphatic no or maybe there's a fight that ensues and you know no and get get away from me and and that but the little ones time after time so as the spouse who is desiring to have sex and always being shut down after a while you're going to have a spouse who's never going to ask again and what ends up happening is there are going to be other means to find that satisfaction. Now, that could be pornography. It could be an emotional affair. It could be a physical affair. There's a, there's a number of places where that can lead to. And so for me, it was one of those things that I didn't, I didn't go to emotional affairs or physical affairs. I went to pornography early on in our marriage because that was my outlet. And what ended up happening over time was that I just stopped asking. I was honestly fearful to even say it or bring it up because it was like, why am I even going to, why am I even going to do this again? You know, in sales, luckily, you know, in sales, for those of you who've done sales or any part of it, you know that you're looking for new leads and new leads can give you new opportunities. At least there you're checking, you're asking different people, right? And so you'll keep going because you're like, ah, the next person may say yes. But when you're going to your spouse and you keep getting no and you keep getting no, there's no one new to go to. You keep going to them and they keep giving you a no. And so your self-confidence gets deteriorated, self-esteem gets deteriorated, uh, fear, worry, anxiety about do I even say this? Do I even bring up... Hey, should we have a conversation in fear that she'll say no again or he'll say no again? And so really, you got to look at yourself. If you're the gatekeeper and you're the one who's constantly saying no to everything that your spouse is saying, believe me, you have a big impact on how your spouse is reacting to you. And that's something that I learned um, through this process when, 
you know, you get told no so many times, you're just not going to, you're not going to go after it anymore. I mean, when I asked for about the 60 days of sex challenge, honestly and truthfully, I mean, that was like, I'm going for it all right here, <laughs> right now, because all in. Uh, yeah. It was like, you know, you're sitting at the table, you're the last two and you're about to win this poker tournament. And you're like, I'm all in right here, right now. Cause if I lose, I lose. And I walk away from the table. At, at least I know I gave my all. And so when, when I was all in there and Elisa eventually said, yes, the dynamic began to change because over those 60 days, we made sure that our bedroom was a no rejection zone. And oh, so we began to turn those patterns around and we learned from that. And I began to learn that, hey, Elisa does still desire me. We just need to tweak what's happening in our marriage. I love your candor because so many people can't be honest the way that you guys are honest. And Tony, you said people turn toward lots of different things. You know what else they turn toward? They turn toward food. They yes. turn toward drink. They turn yes. toward like just habits, right? Or things that keep them shopping. Keep, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shopping's a big one. You know, you, you hit those all on the head. And and yes, it doesn't have to be a, a of sexual nature. There are other there are other places we're going to go to to fill that void. Well, and I call that out because I think some people don't even realize they're suffering from this lack of intimacy. I think that, honestly, this is just me talking, okay? So you guys are the experts, and I want to hear from you after I put this nonsense out there. But I think that most women are just like, ugh, sounds exhausting. And then the husband feels terribly rejected, whether it's explicit or implicit, what's with the huge difference between how the different gender, how we handle this? Can you, can you speak to that at all? Well, the first thing that I want to say is, well, you know, a lot of times it's been traditionally like guys are high desire and gals are low desire. We actually see in our own experience that those numbers can go either way. Um, Cause there are a lot of women that are the higher desire spouse who are in marriages where the guy's like, whatever. I think a lot of what's going on is I think we're more stressed as a culture than we have ever been in our entire, you know, existence. existence. Good yeah. word. Um, and so there are all these demands. And what what's happening as a culture is that we're saying yes to everyone else but the relationships that matter the most. We'll say yes to the boss that says, I need you to work on this project if you want to get promoted. We'll say yes to the PTA that says, I need five dozen cookies for tomorrow for the bake sale. We'll say yes to the church um, volunteer coordinator that says, you know what, we need you know six people to work the open house this weekend. We'll say yes to you know coaching kids sports. We'll say yes to going out with friends. And then at the end of the day, we're like, mm, no, I've got nothing for you right? And we've lost the importance of the fact that the marriage relationship should be your number one priority. And the reason for that is that when the two of you are working, and by working, I mean the relationship's solid. You know that even if you have a bad day, it's a bad day. It's not like the end of the relationship. When this relationship is strong, you are so much better equipped to handle what's outside of your house, 
you know, all those other demands. And you start to make decisions. You know what? The world is not going to end. I tell this to women all the time when I speak to live audiences. The world will not end if you say no to the PTA. It, it won't. I, I've actually proved that. <laughs> I have too. In space. There, you know, if everybody did just a little bit less, but everybody did something, it would work. We we have this, and I'm just speaking to the women right now because I can't, you know, not being a man, I can't speak well, to that. And I'll talk to the, I don't speak to the guys. Okay, you speak to the guys. Good. But, you know, there's this whole need of like, well, I want everybody to want me, right? Like, I want everybody to go, oh, you know, Elisa, you're the only one that can do this. Elisa, we really need your help. Elisa, Elisa, Elisa. And so I like, that feeds my ego, right? And I'm like, oh, well, of course I have to be room mom. And of course I have to volunteer. And yet when Tony, and this is, you know, the way our life used to be, when Tony used to say, Elisa, I need you, I'd be like, whatever. (laughs) Take a number. Yeah, take a number. You're at the end of the line. And the reality is, is that he needs me the most. And I should, and this was a mindset shift that I had to make that I need to give my best to my family and give, I don't want to say the leftovers, but I need to give the second layer to everyone else. Because if my family is not strong, if my relationship with Tony is not rock solid, then it does not matter how many people want me to be on their committee. I don't have a solid home life. You know, we just need to be able to look at our lives and go, for better or for worse, we said our I do's. We made a covenant with each other on our wedding day. And it usually, you know, starts out with just the two of you. For those of you who have blended families, you know, you're bringing in kids. Some of uh, one of my best friends and our best friend together, they have seven now. So there's a lot of kids. (laughs) They're a real life Brady Bunch. Yeah, there's a lot of kids running around. But for the most part, you know, we come to this marriage together, we're doing this thing together, and then we're, I'm seeing it more than ever before is that the kids take first place. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a dad just the other week, and it's like, we were, we were talking, and I was just talking about how I have elevated Elisa to that first place. You know, with the way that we run our family is that if Elisa and I have a date night, Date night comes first. I don't care if something else comes around that one of the kids wants to do or a practice or something of that nature. We'll make it work. But the kids know and we know that our date night doesn't get shifted, you know, unless it's something major and we get that. And the and the father was just like perplexed. He's like, but I love my kids and I want to see their sports. And I and I looked at him and I said, I love watching my son play football. He's a beast. I love it. And yet he's going to grow up. My job as a dad is to grow him up so that he can be the husband, the father that he needs to be. And eventually he's going to leave my house. Like that's my end game is that you leave my house. And so, <laughs> so at the end of the day, when those kids hit 18, 19, 20, Elisa and I still have to have this relationship. And so we got to look more long-term instead of just right now. I remember personally, and I, and I shared this with this dad, I remember growing up playing soccer. I would walk to the field to practices. I would come home. I would walk to my games by myself, play my game, walk home. My mom would look at me and go, how was the game? Did you win? Did you lose? Here's a sandwich. Eat. Let's go. That was it. Yep. Guess what? I survived. So if my kid doesn't have me sitting at his sideline during practice, he's going to be okay because that's time that I can spend with my wife. 
And that's where I think a lot of us are just missing out. And I get it. We love our kids. But like we were saying earlier on, you were saying, hey, you know, you go to shopping, you go to the beverages, you may even go to drugs. I think many of us will turn to our kids Mm -hmm. so that way we don't have to be real in our relationships anymore. We don't have to be engaged with our spouse anymore. Oh, my kids need me. Oh, my kids need me. Yeah, they need you. And yet, if you're not putting any attention into your spouse, guess what? They're not going to need you and they're going to leave you. And then you're going to be left alone with your kids. And that's not what you want. And won't they just model the same relationship pattern that you're creating, that you're illustrating for them? Absolutely. I mean, we have, we see part of our role as parents is to model what a healthy marriage looks like. You know, I want my grandchildren to grow up in a home where, you know, mom and dad love each other. Mom and dad spend time with each other. Mom and dad are affectionate with each other. Mom and dad, you know, go out on dates and they, you know, take vacations without the kids and all of these different things because I think it's important. I I want my kids to have healthy relationships to model for my grandkids. And so the only way that's going to happen is if we show our kids that relationship. Well, and I know you're not duct taping your kids to a tree and leaving them a bowl of water and going out on a date. I mean, and, and so some people who are feeling defensive about this issue, a lot of people like to go to the extreme and say, Oh, I can't believe you're saying your kids are third priority and, and so on and so forth. And the truth is we use our kids, don't we? I mean, we use our children as buffers between us and the hard stuff. And what more noble wedge to put between you and your spouse? So So true. And I love that you said, Ella, that they are buffers because I mean, everything from being a physical buffer, like we just got an email this morning from a husband whose marriage is in crisis. And and you talk about being a physical buffer. He talks about the fact that his daughter still shares a bed with them. And she, it sounds like she's probably a preschooler, physical buffer, right? Like he can't get close to his wife because there's a child in the way. And his wife doesn't see a problem with this. Or we get, you know, the husbands or wives who are like, well, you know what, if the kids want to go to six practices a week, then I'm going to take them to six practices a week. Doesn't matter if, you know, they're not going to be the next, you know, NFL superstar, NBA superstar. They might be. So we're going to invest all of this. The reality is, is such a small percentage of kids are going to go on and be prodigies in sports or in music or in the arts. And we're, I mean, we pour into our kids, but the truth of the matter is, is that the kids are not the primary relationship in a marriage. Our job as parents is to empower our children to go be independent, healthy human beings, not to keep them in our houses until they're 50. I mean, we joke, we're changing the locks when our youngest goes off to college. It's part joke and part true because we want them you know, what that tells us is we better make sure that they're equipped not to come back. Right. You're trying to raise grownups. Right. I'm trying to raise grownups because I see, and that's, I mean, I think that's another problem that's happening in marriages is that there are too many 20, 30, 40 somethings who are still acting like children. Well, I'm going to put the kids outside the door and lock it for just a minute because I want to talk about sex. <laughs> Good. We like talking about sex. I believe that sex is not only a healthy part 
of a healthy marriage, but it's also a very healthy expression of somebody who feels good in their body. And it also helps you feel good in your body. And one of the things that we do with all of these buffers that we create in our lives is we get so disconnected from our physical selves that the idea of connecting with somebody else intimately can just, I mean, honestly be terrifying or even disgusting because you can't even deal with yourself. Does that make any sense? Oh, yes. Well, definitely. I think the world would be a better place if we were all having a little sexy time. (laughs) I think we'd eat better. I think our skin would glow. I think our relationships would benefit. So I know you guys aren't afraid to talk a little sex. So talk to me about your point of view, perhaps your more articulate one on sex being a part of a healthy marriage. Well, you know, you were talking earlier, like when we were talking about the kids and things like that, about, you know, just how how busy our lives are. And one of the things that you even brought up, and I think is so true, is that when we get really busy, we we tend to think, okay, these other things aren't important. We don't have to do them. And the truth of the matter is, is that we, as much as we want our lives to be spontaneous, as much as couples want their sex lives to be spontaneous, everything that's important in our lives gets scheduled, right? So our, I mean, being on the air with you right now, that was like this whole back and forth with, you know, like schedules and days and time. And then it got put on the calendar and it was important. And look, for all your listeners, we're all here. Good thing, right? Doctor's appointments get scheduled. Business meetings get scheduled. One of our biggest challenges was that for Tony and I, we weren't scheduling time with each other. Mm-hmm. And going so far as to schedule sex with each other. And before all of your listeners who were already shaking their heads when I said, yes, I had 60 days of sex with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're like, oh, great. Now, not only does she have all that sex with her husband, but she schedules sex. That's just weird. It's not weird. Because what we've done is we've created the intimacy lifestyle so that sex takes a priority in our marriage because it is part of a healthy marriage and it does lead to happiness. And the truth of the matter is, is that the more sex that you're having regularly, the less awkward it is, the more comfortable you are around each other. You know, you get to learn about each other. You learn what feels good, what doesn't feel good, what works at certain times of the month. But you don't know that if you're only having sex once a month. It's like a novelty. Every time you do it, you're like, oh, I forgot. Those parts go together. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, so, so what, what those parts go together? Oh, yeah. Um, what does that actually look like for you guys, Tony and Elisa? Uh, what does that actually look like when you say you schedule it? Okay. Yeah. So it's called the intimacy lifestyle. And the way it works is that Elisa and I sat down and we said, okay, this is important to us. And I will say that prior to doing this, we had done the 60 days of sex challenge. Um, but prior to do, doing the 60 days of sex challenge, I mean, sex was honestly maybe a once a month type of a deal. It, 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 it sort of happened. It didn't, we, you know, it wasn't regular by any stretch of the imagination. And so what we decided after doing the 60 days of sex is like, wow, that was amazing. And yet we can't keep that up. That's like, that's hard work. And as much as we learned from it and how we connected physically, emotionally, sexually, we can't continue that. And so what we started looking at was like, okay, well, how many times a week are we willing to be intimate together, sexually intimate together? And we decided that we would be up for two times a week. Did you say two? Sorry, cut off there. Yeah, two times a week. Okay. And so we looked at that and we said, okay, we still want to have some wiggle room in here. We don't want it to be like, hey, 9 a.m. on Monday, and then it's an 11 p.m. on (laughs) Thursday. And those are the only two times we can have sex every week. No, it wasn't like that. So the way we set up the intimacy lifestyle, and we have 
thousands of people in the one family who are doing this as well and loving it. And, and theirs may be tweaked depending on how many times a week they want to have sex. But for Elisa and I, I have either Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday to initiate sex on one of those days. We're going to have sex on either Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, and I'm initiating. Now, if it doesn't have, happen Sunday or Monday, Elisa pretty much knows that I'm going to initiate on Tuesday. Elisa <laughs> has the opportunity to initiate on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. And the way this works is that there is some scheduling going on. And yet there's not like rigidness. So I may start romancing Elisa on Sunday morning. We may just wake up on Monday morning, lock the door and have morning sex. And then for her, it goes the same way. But this allows us to stay connected. But that's the way we are, we're working it. And it allows us to constantly stay connected sexually, emotionally, and not just let you know, whimsical, like, oh, well, did we have sex last week? Are we going to have sex this week? It's I'm going to initiate on Sunday, Monday or Tuesday, and she's going to initiate on Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. Wow, that's so easy because I'm a big fan of whatever works for you. Do it. So some people like literally they might want to they might want to calendar it. They might want to put it in their phone, whatever works for you. But I know when I interviewed Gretchen Rubin, the uh, author, she has an alarm to go off that tells her to kiss her husband every night because she says she would forget if she did not. And I don't, but whatever works for you, right? But when you explain it that way, where you have a range and you have an understanding, so you literally have a range of days and Mm -hmm. then you have an understanding, that's really the two main components of what I'm hearing you explain. Right. And expectation. Well, and, you know, the other part of it is because, you know, in those years prior to us doing the 60 days of sex, probably the only times during the year that I would initiate sex would be like on Tony's birthday, (laughs) probably just Tony's birthday, right? (laughs) I I didn't initiate sex. I mean, it just wasn't, I, you know, I was not even like half birthday, nothing. No, I mean, I think he got his birthday. It's not on Elisa's mind. Right. And so when we, when we created the intimacy lifestyle, what it did was it gave us an opportunity to it split the initiating, right? Because on those three days that are my days, I can't wait for him to initiate. It won't happen. And he'll be cranky that I didn't do anything. So I I had to learn. I mean, then this is a skill that not everybody has, right? Like some people have never been taught because, you know, sex ed in high school doesn't teach you. How do you initiate sex with your husband to be? doesn't get covered. And Cosmo or, you know, any of the other magazines, you know, they have their 101 ways to, you know, talk about sex or whatever, but they don't really get into how do you initiate sex, right? And it's not just like, how do I initiate sex with Tony, but have I let him know how I initiate sex? Because for me, never really initiating, you know, if your spouse doesn't know how you initiate sex, um, and this is, you know, true story. So, So here's the thing. I would love for Elisa to initiate this way. This is, this is my dream. This is 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 my dream all the time. Yeah. This is like my dream all the time. Walks out of the bathroom, lingerie, high heels. Lingerie is optional. Honestly, the high heels are not, the high heels are not (laughs) optional. And that's the way she would initiate. That is like, Hey babe, if you're going to initiate, I would know if you walked out like that high heels, I would know it's game on. No further explanation required. Right. Right. And I'm more of the, I'm rubbing your arm. I, I may be patting you on the bottom. That, a, a that's text, a, text a text message. message. That's kind of more my style. And so we had this big disconnect for a while going on because he's like, you're never initiating sex. And I'm thinking, but I am. And so 
We had to actually have a conversation so that I could say, if I do these things, that's initiating. Like he had to know because I kept expecting him to be able to read my mind going, well, if I touch you like this, that must mean I want sex. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is if they haven't told their spouse, then they're trying to initiate. Their spouse isn't reading those signals and then everybody's frustrated. Where if you just have a conversation about sex in your marriage and you get all this stuff out on the table, nobody has to be frustrated and you can have great sex. Oh my gosh, I think so many light bulbs just went off for so many people. And I'm like, I'm cracking up over here because I'm going to, I'm going to tell my husband that emptying the dishwasher and folding the laundry are signs that he is initiating sex. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you follow through with that. Right. It's all good. Oh, fine. I'm completely fine with that. Win-win. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the way we've been doing it. And we've been doing this now, Ella, for seven years. Seven years. And I'm telling you, it makes it, is it perfect every week? No. no. You know, things are going to happen. But now at least we have some guidelines that we can sort of go, okay, this is something we agree upon. This is something that we want to make a priority in our marriage. And it's not just the sexual side of things. I mean, we've we've had long conversations beforehand. You know, we we get emotionally connected that way. We learn about each other. So it's not just about the sex. It's all, all the other things that do come in that you start to learn. You know, you begin to learn how to romance your spouse again. You know, start flirting with your spouse again, taking them out on dates dressing up, looking good for your spouse. You know, it's being intentional. And that's something that we're all about is like, you got to be intentional about this thing. Because if not, it's just going to go by the wayside. You don't buy a car and just drive it and drive it and drive it and drive it and expect it to keep going without putting gas in it or changing the oil or the filters. And that can happen in your marriage too. You don't just get married and just keep pushing it and pushing and pushing and expecting to get something out of it if you don't put anything into it. Does that mean that we should maybe change out of the yoga pants every once in a while, Elisa? <laughs> yes. yes. I'm going to say it as a husband. Yes. Those yoga pants need to be burned at times. Shoot. Or just come off. You know, na- <laughs> nakedness goes a long way. You know, like we talk a lot about sleeping naked and, and just, you know, walking around, walking around yeah, naked. naked. And no, with the caveat naked. that, you know, we do have a 12 and a nine year old. So, you know, those of you with children invest in a lock for your bedroom door or Vaseline and use it. on the outside of it. Or Yeah. That's Tony's favorite joke. <laughs> I was like, alert. Where are we going with the Vaseline? No, joke? no, no. no okay. Just on the door handle. So okay. they can't, they okay, can't, open. they can't open it. Okay, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all, uh, but you know, I mean, a door lock, it's not, there's nothing wrong for kids to know that their parents lock the door. And trust me, in an emergency, you can still turn your handle and get out of your room or they can knock on the door if they're having a nightmare and wake you up. It's all good. But your privacy is so much more important than the awkward moment that comes when a child opens the door and says, mommy, what are you doing? And here's something we we started using about a year ago now, as our kids have gotten older, we were feeling like, gosh, you know, can we be vocal? You know, we feel like if we get to that point, they're going to hear us, um, which can cause some anxiety for parents. uh, And we totally get it. And we found um, this cool device on Amazon called the Ecotone Sound and Sleep Machine. But this thing is golden. We love it. And it has an adaptive sound technology. So when you get louder, it gets louder. And so what we've done in our room, we have it. It's right beside. It's on my bedstand, and every night we go to bed, I turn it on. It doesn't. It, 
if we're going to have sex or not have sex, we turn it on. So it, it's just one of those things that the kids know it gets turned on. And if we end up having sex while it's on, they, they have no clue. They're not like, Oh, mom and dad are having sex tonight. No, the sound machine is already on. I, and I just, you know, it actually helps me go to sleep as well. Right. But it is a beautiful machine that we have used. And again, it's one of those things that we shared on our show and a number of couples picked it up and just like, Oh my gosh, like this eases our minds. All right. You know, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Oh yeah, please do. Please do. Because pretty much anytime we're in our bedroom together, it goes on. So like, even if we're having a conversation, we don't want the kids to necessarily overhear. Yeah, that's smart. We just turn it. And and so it's just, it's part of our habit. And you know, kids are adaptive. You just create new habits. They're going to go with it. But if it gives you the ability to enhance your relationship, then you need to take that step and let the kids figure it out. Well, I love that as a suggestion. And I'd love to just get down to brass tacks because you guys have so many just totally tactical suggestions for couples. I want to start, though, by keeping in mind the person who's listening to this and they feel so far away from a 60-day sex challenge. I mean, they're just like... (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Right? And they're just like negative. So I want to talk first to the people who... I mean, they're like, yeah, once a month, try once every six months, try once a year. Like, can we talk to the person first who just feels so disconnected from being comfortable in their own skin, much less being comfortable with their spouse? And like, what do you say to that person? Because there is hope. And I personally find that supply begets demand, demand begets supply. Right. Absolutely. And there, there are two things that I would say to that couple. And, you know, the truth is, is I encounter that couple on an almost daily basis in coaching. And the first is that if we're not emotionally connected with our spouse, it's very hard to get physically connected with them. And so it starts with, you know, opening the door to the conversation again. I mean, so many couples exist at the surface level of, um, we're having dinner with the Joneses on Friday and did you pay the mortgage bill and I'm going to be late from work. And that's like the extent of their conversation, right? I mean, that's, that's where people live. And, you know, so digging deep into what's really going on with you, like what, what dreams do we share? What, what challenges are you facing? And so Tony and I wrote a book called Connect Like You Did When You First Met, 101 Proven Questions for Couples. And this is, I mean, it's, a, it's just that simple little handheld book that, that you can go through and you can ask one question a day and it's just 10 or 15 minutes of dialogue with one another, kind of peeling back the surface layer stuff and getting to the heart of who are you? right? Who, where's the person that I married that, you know, wasn't so busy about paying the bills and doing all this kind of stuff. Where's, you know, like one of the questions in there, um, you know, do you ever have erotic dreams about me? And if so, what are they? Right? Like, you know, that's not something that's going to come up in everyday conversation, but it's there. And if the answer is a yes or it's a no, it doesn't matter. It's just like, let's talk about it. You know, like let's dig, you know, some of them are lighthearted. Some of them are really deep. There's a whole mix because you can take this book and you can, you can just like take turns asking questions. It's such a powerful, we had one couple that, you know, shared with us in a testimonial when they bought the, the husband bought the book. They, he, you know, proposed reading it with us. They did one question. He goes, I know you said to only talk, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, but 45 minutes later, we were still talking. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you're ever still talking, don't listen to what we had to say, keep going. He goes, and then we had the best sex that we'd had in 10 years because we were so emotionally connected. I was like, 
like we know the power of it, but to hear another couple that's just so far apart, like you were describing, be able to use this tool. And as they start to emotionally connect with each other, the physical comes back. And then the second part of that is, you know, once that emotional starts to come back and you're like, okay, well, you know what, Tony and Lisa are crazy enough to try 60 days, but good grief, who's got 60 days in their life? You know, look at shorter periods of time. And the truth is that anybody can do something for seven days, right? Like if I said, can you go work out for seven days in a row? Yes. If I said, you know, could you give up chocolate? Could you, you know, eat healthy? You know, seven days is manageable. And we felt so strongly about this after we did the 60 days that we actually wrote a book called Seven Days of Sex Challenge. You know, again, simple read because we don't, we don't want this marriage stuff to be complicated, right? Marriage doesn't have to be any more complicated than it already is with all the life stuff. But for seven days, you make your spouse a priority, right? For seven days, you say, yes, I commit to you. And, and you know, we talk about things like the quickie in the book because every couple should have the quickie in their repertoire. It shouldn't be the only thing. But it should definitely be a thing in your marriage because sometimes you only have five minutes. But doing this, I mean, the seven day sex challenge, I mean, we've done this with our audience. Couples have picked up this book and done it, you know, around the world, couples are doing this challenge as a way to rekindle the sexual intimacy in their marriage. Well, and for people who feel too awkward, even having some of the intimate conversations, I love that you can just have fun with this. So there are couples who might feel even too awkward to have conversations about what their goals are and what their dreams are because they literally have haven't had that type of conversation since the day they were married. Right. And, but if you, but, and some of them might relate to this a little bit better. And so, you know, I always ask for one habit, one practice we can try for one week. And the reason I do it is because of what, um, of what Elisa said. You can try anything for one week. And I know not everybody's going to try everything, but if I can get a few people to try the things that resonate with them, it can, it can change a life. So in this case, you're saying use this challenge as whether you're cheeky about it or whether you have more, of an um, intimate conversation about it and challenge your spouse uh, to the seven day challenge. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's fun in our book though. We just give couples ways to think outside the box and not always feel like, well, I'm just doing the same thing. We walk through and help couples to go, okay, today we're going to focus in on this. And today we're going to focus in on this. And then that way, you know, there, there's some learning going on between the two of you. So that way you can take it further after the seven days of sex challenge. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you guys, can you share just in sort of a rapid fire way, just some tips and tactics for people who do want to reconnect and just some different, just things that you know work. So whether it's expressing gratitude toward one another or experimenting with something, what are some of your, what are your top five tips for people? Um, well, thank you for like taking two of them. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Did I? Well, you know, gratitude goes a long oh, way yeah. in marriage because a lot of times we get so wrapped up in the negative that we forget about the positive or we don't see it. So you want to reconnect with your spouse, start looking for the good things. And it could just be simply, you know, they didn't hog all the covers last night. I mean, you know, sometimes that's like the best thing. And, you know, sometimes it's, I love, like we put a post up yesterday on our Instagram account that says, I love your, and it, you know, just said fill in the blank. And so, you know, here are, like one of the people said, I love your tenacity. Even during difficult times, you continue to strive for greatness. Now, sharing that with your spouse is going to suddenly start lighting those flames, right? So you've got, you've got to express and encourage gratitude and encourage your spouse. You've got to be intentional 
about your marriage, you know, spontaneous happily ever after only happens in Hollywood. But if you want your marriage to be spectacular, if you want your marriage to be extraordinary, you've got to be intentional about all of your actions. The other thing I would say is that love is a verb, not a noun. It requires action. You have to actively love your spouse. That means in the good days and in the bad days, you know, it means extending grace and forgiveness when you do that. It means that, you know, all aspects of your marriage get shared, not just the good parts version. Um, You know, it's those different things that, you know, put together when you decide that, you know, every day you're going to choose to love one another. Every day you're going to choose to connect with one another. You're going to choose to have those conversations. You're going to choose to touch, you know, all of those things together builds a rock solid foundation for you to create an extraordinary marriage. And, and I would say, you know, for those who have lost the physical touch, and I'm not talking sexual, I'm talking physical. I'm right. talking about holding hands, hugging your spouse, kissing them. Get back to that. Get back to just the physical touch with nothing more happening. Driving down the road, have your knee, have your hand on her knee or vice versa. Have your, you know, wrapped around his arm, whatever it is, um, I think we we've lost that touch. And so when we get to the sexual side of things, we feel awkward and out of place because we're not just fostering that touch cuddle, you know, get on the couch together, be close to each other. Um, if you could be naked or, or you, you choose to be naked, go for it. That works too, you know? And one other thing I would say, I, I know a lot of your listeners are probably listening to this like on their phones or on their, you know, laptops or tablets or whatever. Um, every once in a while, put down your electronics yeah. and, and actually look at your spouse eye to eyeball instead of like eyeball to top of your head. You know, in, in this highly technology, highly technolo- technological time that we live in, we lose the human connection. And your spouse, I would say this, you know, I, I sh- if I could shout it from the rooftops, I would say your spouse is desperate for physical connection with mm. you. Yeah. Put down the electronics. So true. So true. And cannot be said enough. And I mean, everybody's guilty, right? It's just a question of degree. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I raise my hand. That's not I'm not, you know, preaching that and saying I'm, you know, I'm so guilty that there will be times when my kids say, uh, Mom, we're standing right in front of you. Yep. Convicted. You guys, you said something that made me think of, I don't know if this is gender based or not, but what do you say to the person who is waiting for the other person to make the first move? Like there's so much resentment there that they can't bear the idea of patting their hubby on the behind or rubbing their wife's arm or trying to take her hand because they've been so rejected and they're so resentful. What do you say to that person who's like, well, no, he or she is going to have to make the first move because wow, that can get you stuck in forever land. Well, and and that's just it. It is going to get you stuck in forever land and it's going to keep that resentment going. And, you know, for those for those couples, they may be at the point that they need a third person to come in and coach them through whatever the challenges they're facing. Chances are, if there's that much resentment and that much um, hesitancy on doing something, there are some bigger issues at play there. And these are the kinds of couples that I coach with um, because we've got to literally like go back down to bare bones and then rebuild the marriage. But we've got to address what those big issues are. 
Because anytime that physical touch has fallen off to that extent or communication has fallen off to that extent, there are some deep pains uh, in, in a marriage and those have to be addressed. And if you're waiting, I mean, you could wait till forever and chances are wait until somebody walks out the door and then it's going to be too late. I think forgiveness is something that a lot of us just hold, will not relinquish. You know, we just will not allow ourselves to forgive our spouse for something that has happened and it just drives a wedge between us. So daily, you know, yourself just be, Hey, I forgive her or I forgive him for that. And you need to do it daily. It's a start. You got to start somewhere and somebody has to take the first step towards that journey of getting back together again. And sometimes it's our pride and our ego that will stop us. And really our pride and our ego will also hold us back. Wow, guys, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. And of course, you know that I'll link to your books in the show notes for this episode, but I can't possibly let you go without asking you two questions, one of which I think you may have answered, and that is, what is one practice you would like us to try for one week? Well, absolutely. We would love to see your audience try the seven days of sex challenge. And well, you I don't want to see it necessarily. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if you do it, something that we do with our with the one family is we, we have a thing. It's called we did it. You know, somebody emails in and after they do a seven days of sex challenge, it says we did it. And so it'd be awesome if if your audience takes on the challenges challenge and then would email you and let you know when they do complete it, because that's, um, it's something I mean, our audience basically, it's just in the subject line. We did it. Hey, we, we did it for a week and it was awesome. This is what happened in our lives and in our marriage. And it was just like, it's just like so cool. I love it. I'm going to put up a post that says I did it. And you can just, <laughs> you can just like it if that works for you. Seven, seven days from the drop date. And I'll tell you what, I accept your challenge. <laughs> There you go. There you are. My husband and I both travel. We travel so much. And I love this because I happen to be talking to you on a day he's coming home and is home for approximately eight days in a row. (laughs) Boom. Game on. Game on. Lucky bastard. He has no idea what's in store and for you him. Are, and you are too. That is for sure. That is for sure. Okay. Now, I am so distracted and I feel like it's hot in here, but um, what is one <laughs> What is one resource that you guys love that you want to recommend to us? Yeah. So we, we talked about this earlier in the show. It's about initiating sex. How do you do it? What does it look like? So we have a resource called 10 Ways to Initiate Sex. And uh, anybody can pick that up at oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash initiate. And these are the top 10 ways that we have found couples are able to initiate. And it just what we want to do is help you to break out of your routine or what you think you, you think is the only way you can initiate. Try them. See what works. Pick the ones that you really dig and let your spouse know. And then that's sort of that that building block of your spouse understanding once you guys start doing the intimacy lifestyle of understanding when you are initiating. Each of us initiates differently. Elisa alluded to this early on. We're, we're not Hollywood movies. It doesn't always work the same way. You got to talk to each other. Your spouse doesn't have ESP. So um, grab the, the 10 top ways to initiate sex and, and that will at least get you launching and, and going forward. 
Guys, I love it. Tony and Elisa Lorenzo. their show is called One Extraordinary Marriage. Cannot say enough that if you are struggling in your relationship right now, if you're nodding along with this, but you have no idea where to start, go check these guys out. Their show, it's so respectful and yet so transparent and they're so open and so candid. It's mind-blowing and yet in a super adult and respectful way. So you guys are a lot of fun and we will link to your resources in our show notes i can't thank you enough for that information and it's just been a blast guys oh likewise a lot of fun hanging out with you and your audience ella thank you yeah Yeah, you guys are great tony alisa thank you so much you take care take care Bye -bye. bye now welcome you're on air with ella where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now.